calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello and welcome to this episode of Take 15. I'm Lauren Foster, Content Director with CFA Institute, and joining me today to talk about China and Japan is Freya Beamish. Freya is a senior economist with Lombard Street Research, where she covers China and Japan. She's also a frequent commentator on TV and in print. It's a great pleasure having you here today, Freya. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. There's a lot of talk about the danger of zombie firms in China adding to China's corporate debt overload. But some China watchers say aggregate zombie debt is still not large enough to pose a threat to the wider economy. Is this true? Well, okay, I'll give you my conclusion up front. I'd probably say yes, that statement is correct, that, that probably zombie firms, if you, whatever we want to call them, are a huge portion of, of the Chinese economy, but there's still a, an even greater portion that, that, can, that can clear up the mess that's been made by those zombie firms. So it's a big problem, but it's not yet so much of a problem that the Chinese have to worry about it in terms of a, a, a kind of an Armageddon type of a scenario. Okay. A two-part question. Now, foreign bankers in Shanghai suggest the RMB dollar exchange rate might reach 7 or 7.2 by early next year. So the first part is, so do you agree? And then if the US raises interest rates, where will the RMB head? Well, I think probably the RMB is on continuing on a depreciation path. We've had a kind of a lull in that. Um, but the, the first question and the second question are very related because the reason why they need to get a depreciation of the currency is to, is to get that net trade portion contributing to GDP so that there doesn't have to be such a huge run up in debt in order to meet those growth targets and keep people employed. So yes, I would agree that, that um, the RMB is on that kind of depreciation path, maybe another 10% over the next uh, year or so. In terms of uh, against whom, that's quite an important question and it plays into your, your question of, of, the, of the, um, the rise of US interest rates. There is a greater focus globally at the moment on the dollar and the, the RMB has started to depreciate on, against that bilateral. That's much more difficult for Beijing to contain mm -hmm. because the majority of their foreign exchange, their foreign liabilities are priced in dollars. So there's much more of a focus on, on that and it's more liable to lead to the, the kind of um, those, the, the market turmoil that we saw in, the, in, in 2015 and the, the downward spirals. But ultimately, Beijing will kind of step in and, and <laughs> counterbalance any, any okay. outflows that, that arise. China's policymakers, though, say they don't want to weaken the RMB. Should we believe them? Um, I don't think they want a kind of a route in the RMB that doesn't really fit with their with their aims of internationalizing the currency and it could kind of touch off some some issues with with regard to foreign um, liabilities but really the the foreign liabilities that China faces are, are sort of the thin end of the wedge and if you're a corporate treasure that's that's a Chinese corporate treasure and you're sitting there still with exposure to one-way appreciation bets then perhaps you want to consider a new career path because there's been some quite obvious um, indications that, that we're not on a one-way appreciation path now. So I think they want to avoid that kind of route, but they've learned from previous experience, um, and so has the private sector. So they, 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 
probably do need to allow a pre uh, the, the currency to continue to depreciate from here. Okay. Nay says they've been predicting a debt-induced crisis in China for years. Uh, but until China opens its ca capital account, is this likely to happen? Well, in terms of the, the, the rest of the world and the exposure that the rest of the world has, this is not kind of whatever happens over the next few years, it's not going to be a type of a, a Lehman event or a subprime crisis type of event because China is an excess savings country, so they've actually been exporting their capital. Whereas in the US, it was a question of, of the rest of the world really being leveraged up and exposed to the subprime crisis across fin financial markets in, in pretty much every, every advanced um, economy. So even if there is a kind of a debt blow up uh, in China, then it's not going to have the same kind of financial market repercussions as a subprime type of an event. Why is China selling US treasuries and buying Japanese government bonds? Well, that's a very interesting question because at the moment there's, there's, um, there's a lot going on. We could talk about this for a long time, but um, the most obvious way of approaching this is to say that when, when the Chinese currency is, is depreciating against the yen, it sort of goes under the radar a lot more. And that's why 2016 has had a lot less kind of um, financial market uh, volatility that's been touched off by any depreciation that the Chinese currency has, has achieved. So they are continuing to experience um, capital outflows and, and the, the PBOC is having to kind of lean against that um, through the use of its foreign exchange reserves and US treasuries. Um, but there's also a kind of an intra-Asian flow into, into Japan uh, that is, in a sense, probably t touching on some of these issues of the, the, the repacks um, and the, the kind of, if you have uh, dollars, then you can, you can bring them into, into Japan, hold them, um, enter a forwards contract, and you can actually make a profit on that, which is the kind of the reverse carry trade. And I don't know if that's exactly what the Chinese authorities have in mind, but in terms of their policy and, and slipping these kinds of depreciations under the radar a little bit more, it makes much more sense for them to be depreciating against the yen. Uh -huh. And how much rebalancing of China's economy has occurred thus far, and how much is left to go? A lot is still left to go, but there, has been some, there have been some moves in the right direction. If you look on the demand side of the economy, then investment is falling as a share of GDP and consumption is rising as a share of GDP. But actually it's a sort of a rebalancing by default just because the private sector is, the private consumption is, is, the, kind of, is, is the part of the economy which, which can still increase its leverage. Okay. So at some point, financial problems come home to roost. At what point will China's banking system come clean with its bad loans and purge them from the system? I'm not sure they necessarily will ever. It might just be a question of having a big rug in the middle of China and shoving a whole bunch of bad debt under it in a kind of a Japan type style. So we're not necessarily looking for a, or we're not expecting a massive debt blow up, um, but we're not really expecting the kind of full benign transition and going back to your rebalancing question to, to private consumption led growth because that would need them to actually clear out this, this bad debt and, and move on. But they, they still have the space to kind of halfway house for those halfway house options and it doesn't really get you the, the full way to rebalancing. So speaking of Japan, what advice do you think Japanese policymakers have been giving their Chinese peers? I'm not sure that Japanese policymakers really learned the lessons of their own history in a sense. I, I probably would have said that the same structural imbalances um, persist in, in Japan as, as some of the structural imbalances that China is facing, chief among which is that too much of the income flows into the corporate sector and sort of gets stuck there. And that's something that Japan um, continues to, to struggle with today. Mm -hmm. So sticking with Japan, Abenomics has been in place since 2013, but it's produced neither growth nor inflation. Do you consider it a success or a failure? Um, I'd say 
if you think of the, the main operative arrow of Abenomics, it was yen depreciation. Um, over the course of this year, we've seen yen appreciation. So in that sense, it's a sort of a, a failure. But actually, because we always thought that, at Lombard Street Research anyway, we always thought that Abenomics was the wrong prescription for the Japanese economy, the failure of Abenomics has actually potentially turned out to be quite useful to the Japanese economy. Interesting. The Bank of Japan is not only buying JGBs, but also corporate bonds and ETFs. Mm. At what point will they stop buying assets other than JGBs and how much is enough? Well, I think if you take ETFs, this is basically a pond that's just expanding to accommodate the BOJ. Um, so they, they can continue with a certain, for a certain degree. I don't know exactly when it, when it stops, um, but it, it is an expandable pond. It's, it's more actually with JGBs that they need to start to taper purchases. And I think the, the, um, the yield curve targeting was intended to be a way of them to, for them to do that without actually using the word taper. Okay, I guess the final question, the obligations of the state are growing, but the economy is shrinking. How much longer can Japanese government continue its current strategy? It's a question of when um, inflation does actually arise in Japan and, and, and why it's arisen. So they want to get rid of deflation, but actually if you have an upwards trajectory for, for debt to GDP, deflation is quite useful in, to you to, to be able to service that at very low costs. Mm -hmm. So the, the budget um, that the, the Japanese government is running is very much fit, focused on, on the demographics of the past and the, the consumption tax hike was, an aimed, was aimed at kind of um, updating it for the demographics of today, but it hasn't really worked. So they continue to have this upward spiral of, of debt to GDP, government debt to GDP. It's just a question of when they start to, to face difficulty with, with inflation in the economy and, and, uh, and actually have to pay for, the, for that debt. It's been a fascinating conversation for you. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you for watching. Copyright 2017, all rights reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.